Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. And I am your host for this hour. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado. You just heard the number. So grab that phone and give me a call at 303-690-3000. Grab one of those open lines. This is, of course, the program, Calvary Live, where you get to call in and you get to ask questions. Uh, you get to uh, give your prayer requests, and we're here to minister to you, to go to God's Word as you ask your questions, to give clarity and understanding, to pray with you, minister to you, uh, to look to the Lord, to look to His Word. And so what a wonderful opportunity this next hour to be able to do that. So 303-690-3000, Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you. Always a blessing to be a part of your lives. And there's another means for you to be able to ask questions or to give your prayer requests, and that's through a dedicated text line, 720-336-0897. I want to encourage you to put those two numbers in your contacts in your um, on your phone, and you can just pull it up and uh, always uh, very quickly just be a part of our show. So we want to be able to minister to you um, on uh, Calvary Live here in any way that we can. So glad that you've joined us. Those of you who are listening live on Grace FM, all along the Front Range in Colorado and Southern Wyoming, welcome, a beautiful day. And then also those of you listening on our syndicated stations of Truth and Hope FM, uh, you too uh, can call at that number, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. And uh, grab one of those open lines. We've got plenty of time as we're going to talk about the things of the Lord. This really is your show. And so blessed to hear from those on the East Coast and uh, to be a part of your lives as well. And uh, and so get, give us a call. And uh, let's talk about the Lord. Let's talk about the Word of God. Let's go to the Word of God. And uh, so give me a call here on Calvary Live. Uh, you are a week delayed in the broadcast. Uh, and also I want to welcome all the online listeners that listen from all over the country, even different parts of the world. But anywhere in the United States, that number works at 303-690-3000. And uh, give me a call. I'd love to hear, you know, where you're calling from and ask a question. And um, so uh, blessed to hear how the audience is growing and our online listeners. And uh, so we'd love to hear from you and let us know that you're listening and be able to minister to you. So um, we do have a couple open lines. I'm going to go ahead. Let's go to Amy in Ken Carl, Colorado. Hi, Amy. Hi. Thanks for taking how my call. How are you? Absolutely, um, Amy. I'm okay. Um, Good. I need some, I really need some help. Um, I feel like I want to start crying already. Um, I've okay. been married Take almost a year. Okay. And um, I never really felt like my husband's parents really ever 
wanted to get to know me. Um, I feel like his mom has said a lot of hurtful things to me over the past year and just little things here and there. And I've tried to overlook them and not make a big deal about a lot of things. And um, I kind of figured she didn't know that certain things were hurting me and that I was certain that I was sensitive to certain things she was saying. So last week um, I, I approached her about talking um, and I told her um, that I am hurt about things that she said and that I would really like to talk to her about it and be open about it so that we can have a close relationship as mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. And, um, you know, I tried to exercise Matthew 18:15, and I feel after I reached out to her, she didn't really acknowledge my heart or anything that I said. She kind of dismissed it and said that she and her husband were doing their best. And again, I said, I understand and tried to acknowledge what she said, but kind of wanted to say that, you know, I, I just really want to be heard. Um, she didn't say anything to that. And I feel like she's been really ignoring me and stonewalling me. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband texted her last week, kind of, you know, um, talking to her about her lack of response towards me. And he asked her, um, to reach out to me just to let me know that, you know, she hears me and that she's open to talking and she still hasn't reached out. Um, I feel really shut out and ignored. And now my husband isn't wanting to be in the middle. So he's starting to get a little bit, you know, resentful. So I don't feel like I have anyone in my corner and it's, I don't know what to do. Um, well, yeah, Amy, and it's difficult when, especially when it's with family and when relationships are strained, uh, when they're severed, you have done what God has called you to do. You know, Jesus said that, you know, if you bring your gift and, and, and when you come and you feel, you know, that a, a brother's angry at you, leave your gift, go and reconcile and then come back. And you've done that. You've mentioned Matthew 18, um, to, to, you know, uh, to go to that person privately, to go to that person personally, um, and to, uh, talk to them and you've done your part, how they respond to it is really up to them. And what mm-hmm. you're telling me is that she has no desire really right now or shown it, uh, to respond back in a positive way or, or desire any kind of understanding, any kind of reconciliation, any kind of clarity, uh, why, you know, perhaps um, she has the attitude towards you or whatever, or, you know, to try to, this is family, this is a daughter-in-law, to to try to bring you together in a closer relationship. Here's the hard part, Amy. You can't, you know, make her do that. And Mm -hmm. you and your husband are in a place of prayer. Paul, when he was talking about being a living sacrifice in Romans chapter 12, he then begins to, you know, tell us how we can be a living sacrifice, and he gives this rapid fire of instructions to us. And he says something that's interesting. He says that what you are to do is live peaceably with all men, and then he adds something. He said, if possible, Mm -hmm. live peaceably with all men as much as depends on you is what he says. 
and you are desiring to live peaceably. You're desiring to have a good relationship with your mother-in-law. But sometimes there are those who just, they don't make it possible. And as much as depends on you. And, and Paul put that little qualifier in there because it may not be, at least at this time. And I think that where you and your husband need to pray, because here's the thing. Um, there may be reasons that she's not ready to talk about. Sometimes uh, in my years of experience and talking with, with people and, and doing premarital counseling and, and dealing with families, sometimes parents have a hard time when their child gets married because there is a leaving, isn't there? And, Amy, you know that the definition of marriage is this, that a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a process for parents and for moms that they got to let go of their son. They got to let go of their daughter, that they're now going to be cleaved to another. And and there is that leaving that takes place. It doesn't mean that you don't honor mom and dad. It doesn't mean that you don't minister to them or respect them. That's all from the scriptures. And I believe that you have done that with your in-laws. You have tried to show respect, to honor them, to go to them, to desire a close relationship but you live peaceably with all men, and that includes mother-in-laws, um, as much as depends on you. But there is a response that she has to you, um, and and you're in a place of praying. I think your husband is in a place of protecting right now. If this is uh, you know uh, something that that uh, he needs to be a covering for you and a protection to you, I don't know how bad it is, and I'm not. I'm just saying from just undo you know, uh, burdens and trials and difficulties that may come your way from this. And I know it breaks your heart. I can hear it in your heart. Uh, but just be in that place of prayer. And, you know, when those times as the Lord leads you to reach out. But that's the thing about, you know, having um, a good relationship. It takes two people, mm-hmm. um, not just the one person. And and that's where the difficulty lies. So um, I don't I, I know that probably doesn't make you feel better. Uh, but but sometimes that's a reality, Amy. Sometimes that's a reality. There have been the, been those that I've desired to to um, you know um, for some reason they hold me out at arm's length or they're upset at me, and I've gone to them, and the response is they dig in their heels, and they continue to be angry and they continue to be mad, and I can't change their hearts. Only the Lord can do that. So that's why you commit them to the Lord. And I think that as you do and as you share with the Lord, that, Lord, we desire reconciliation and we desire there to be a a good relationship there. I think he's going to honor that and um, and just let the Lord work. And sometimes you got to leave it in the Lord's hands. Mm -hmm. Um, It's starting to affect my marriage. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's. My biggest concern right now is the bond between my husband and I, because like I said, he, he feels like he's caught in the middle and he doesn't feel like he should be in this. And some of the, of the things that he's said over the past week makes it sound like he's kind of, you know, justifying his mom's actions and defending her. And I don't know what to do with that because. Well, yeah. I, and. Yeah, and and you feel like you're you're on the defense is what you feel like. Yeah, and, I feel um, like and, I need to protect myself. Yeah, and I would just continue to talk to your husband, 
the the one thing that and I can't address him, you know, because I I'm not able to talk to him. But what I address husbands are this that they are to live with their wives in an understanding way is what First Peter chapter three tells us, and what that means is is that the things that are important to you need to be important to them, and and to listen to you and. You know, his first relationship, of course, all of our first relationship was with the Lord, and then it's to his wife. And you guys are one flesh, and there is that leaving. So, you know, exactly, um, you know, he shouldn't be put in the middle between you two. He should be standing by you and uh, bringing that covering, that, that protection to you. And, you know, I would just continue to talk to him. You know, if you guys have a church that you go to, to be able to, you know, get some godly counsel and uh, have a pastor that can that can help you with that. Um, just because somebody, and here's the thing, and Amy, I'm saying this not just for, for you, but for those who are listening, just because a couple gets counsel from, you know, a pastor, it doesn't mean that they got all these marriage problems and it's, you know, they, they, they think I can only go when things are in critical condition. No. The pastor's there, and we are here to serve you and to give you good counsel and to pray with you and to, to be able further, you know, you can talk about it um, with them. And, and um, he's, you know, a pastor's going to be a great help. So I hope that's available for you. And I think that's where I would point you to is, you know, go and, and talk to a pastor. Talk to, you know, somebody who's going to give you good biblical advice um, from the scriptures and just pray with you about it. And I think that'll be a great help. Okay. Okay, Amy. Okay, thank you. Can I pray with you right now? That'd be great. Yeah. Father, I pray for Amy. She's she's definitely heavy-hearted over this situation. So I pray that first of all that her and her husband would be on the same page, that there be coming together and an understanding and a clarity. Um, Lord, that her husband would stand by her and bring a covering and protection for her. But Lord, I also pray that as Amy has desired to talk to her mother-in-law, that there be, you know, uh, uh, a meeting of hearts and that you would uh, minister to her heart that it's um, for her to, to come together and for there to be clarity, for understanding, for there to be patience, for there to be a coming together and restoring their relationship. And Lord, that um, their family, and, and Lord, I know that's Amy's desire, but I pray that for her in-laws, uh, for both of them. And I pray that um, that her mother-in-law, that, that um, her husband would encourage him in that way. I pray for this family, that there be um, a, a coming together in your love and comfort and uh, in your wisdom and uh, in restoring a good relationship, bringing that good relationship that they need to have. So just work. Show yourself strong on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Amy, I'll be praying for you, okay? Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless you. Thank you for calling. 303-690-3000 is the number to call on Calvary Live. You know, relationships can be very difficult and and very hard, and 
Uh, the Lord does give us guidelines in the scriptures, and his desire for us is to live peaceably with all men as much as depends on us. And there are guidelines when there is conflict and given to us to go to that person, and there should always be a desire for there to be a coming together. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes at some moments it's not possible. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, God does want to work that, and uh, he does want to work in, in those situations, especially when it comes to family. So we'll be praying for Amy. Hey, 303-690-3000, we've got a couple open lines. Let me give you that text line again for you to be able to text in a question or a prayer request, and that's 720-336-0897. And you're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Greeley, and we're going to go to Pennsylvania, to Jordan. Hi, Jordan. How are you? You're on Calvary Live. Hi. Um, So my question tonight is uh, in regards to Revelation 20. trying to get it up here on my tablet. Um, So I was reading this chapter a couple days ago, um, and I was a little confused, I guess, maybe about the timeline and the events that are going on. Um, I know a lot of this book is prophetic, but it's in regards to... um, Satan's capture and then release. Um, so it looks like, from what I've read, that Satan gets cast into the abyss, and um, that's for a thousand years, and right. that happens during the thousand-year reign of Christ. Um, yes. And previous to this chapter, the uh, the Antichrist is ca- cast in and his army, um, and then after the thousand-year reign of Christ. It says that Satan gets released um, to deceive the nations again that are in the four corners of the earth um, and gathers them for battle. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm confused on, is this is this just not an order um, between what John wrote earlier? Um, or is this, is this like... Uh, possibly people that were not part of the Antichrist's army that are still yeah, living on the earth while yeah. Christ's reign is going on, and then he goes out and deceives them, or is this believers that are deceived? Yeah, you're asking good questions, because it kind of throws you a little bit for a loop when you read it, like all of a sudden there's this rebellion in the millennium reign. So what we have is, and you know... Um, uh, Jordan, you're you're on the right track, and I think you just need some a little bit of clarity as we read this. That in chapters six through nineteen is that final seven year period called the tribulation period, and it's during that time that the Antichrist takes center stage, and um, all of a sudden, you know, he leads uh, the world into deception. He leads the world into this final war called the Battle of Armageddon. And then Jesus Christ comes back in chapter 19, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we know that at that time, the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet. We read about the false prophet in chapter 13, who worked signs in the presence, um, and they deceived. You know, they were cast into the lake of fire, burning with, uh, with brimstone. We know that at, at that time as well, from other prophetic scripture from Matthew 25, that when Jesus comes back, he's going to establish his kingdom, and that takes us into chapter 20. Also during that time, there's going to be a separation of the sheep and the goats. And um, those who, and you know, because of all the tribulation that took place, 
and all the wrath that took place and and you know i mean it's, it's great tribulation such as the world has never seen nor shall ever see again um that there's going to be um a, a few that make it through the tribulation period that are believers we know that in the tribulation period that there are those tribulation saints that we see in chapter 7 um that we see um in the tribulation period I don't believe it's the church. I believe the church will be raptured before the tribulation period. And we know that there's going to be um, Israel, their eyes are going to be opened up, a remnant of the Jews. And uh, they, um, as Paul says, that in that day all of Israel will be saved. They will continue into the millennium reign. And we know that, as you've already pointed out, that chapter 20, and I'm going to read it just for the sake of our listeners, that an angel having coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound them for a thousand years. You know, what is interesting, Jordan, and just a little side note, that there's more and more in the church that are saying that there is no millennium reign, that they hold to what's called an all-millennium view, that all means none. There's no millennium reign, and, and um, I believe that chapter 20 here um, tells us that there's going to be a millennium reign. We know from the prophecies of the Old Testament, particularly Isaiah, very specifically talks about that, uh, that he's going to come and establish his kingdom for a thousand years. Now, here's the thing, Jordan. During that thousand years, that the earth's going to populate. And at the end of it is when there's, as you pointed out, after a thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from prison. He will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle the, whose number is the sand of the sea. So that's a lot of people. And they went up in the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, that's Jerusalem, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. So there's going to be this rebellion at the end of the millennium reign. And, and and why that happens, I believe, is because those who were born during the millennium reign, they have to make a choice. And, and what astounds me is here is people living at a time that righteousness will cover the earth as waters cover the sea, as Isaiah says, and they still will rebel against the Lord, given a choice, given a choice whether to follow the Lord or follow Satan, and Satan leads this rebellion called Gog and Magog. I do not believe that is the battle or the war of Ezekiel 38 and 39, uh, where we have mentioned Gog and Magog, but this is Satan, and it's immediately going to be put down. He's going to be defeated, um, and um, and then after the millennium reign, you have the great white throne judgment. For it's called the second resurrection, where all the non-believers, the unrighteous dead, are going to be resurrected and cast into the lake of fire. So there is that rebellion. So these are those that that live in in the millennium reign, um, and who are born in the millennium reign. And um, at the end, they're going to be given a choice, whether to follow Satan or follow the Lord. And one last rebellion of Satan. So does that help kind of with the timeline there? I think so. So if I understood what you're saying correctly, these are these are people that were born during the millennium reign uh, that are not believers that have to choose whether to follow Christ yeah. while they're on yeah. earth or not. 
Yeah, because the the believers are going to continue into the millennium reign. Tribulation saints, those Jews whose eyes were opened up, a remnant of them, they recognize that Jesus is their Mashiach. And as they continue in the millennium reign, the earth's going to populate itself again. And uh, so those who were born in the millennium reign are now going to have a choice whether to follow Jesus, just as we have a choice today, whether we're going to follow Jesus or whether um, you know, we're going to follow the world and Satan and, and rebel against him. And it, what, what amazes me, Jordan, is, is when it says that, um, that those who gathered to battle against the Lord, Gog and Magog, is the number of the sand of the sea. How many are going to do that? That astounds me. It just shows the rebellious heart of man. And, uh, but that rebellion is going to be crushed right away. And, um, and then the great white throne judgment, and then he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be n- no sin. Um, it will not be tainted by sin, and we'll live with the Lord forever and ever and ever. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, I think so. There's still more questions, but that that clears up uh, the big ones that I had. Yeah, and and you know the millennium reign is a fascinating thing. We're going to come back and rule and reign with him. And sometimes people have a question that because we're going to be in our glorified bodies, Jordan, uh, we're going to be um, raptured. We'll be in our glorified bodies, and there are those who say, "Well, will we be tempted?" And I don't believe that we will. Uh, because John talks about that um, when we see him, we will be like him when he's revealed to us. And um, and not that we are going to be God, but we're going to be in our glorified state, so we won't be tempted. It is those who are living during the millennium reign that had not made a choice, you know, hadn't had that choice, that clear choice between Jesus Christ and, and Satan, and they're going to make it, and a lot of them are going to make the wrong choice. Okay. Yeah, that was actually another question I had. You know, the other thing, too, Jordan, I think will help is when you read Psalm 2, a Messianic Psalm about the millennium reign, it's an enforced righteousness. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. When you read Zechariah chapter 14, it says that those nations that don't come up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, that there's going to be judgment. So it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be righteousness covering the earth as waters covering the sea. But there is still going to be what the Bible gives a little bit of hint of some rebellion of those who won't come up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, um, you know, different things that are told to us, and then certainly at the end, this rebellion that takes place. Okay. Good question, Jordan. Keep studying. Thank you very much. Yeah, if you get any more insight, give me a call back, all right? Okay, I will. Thanks again. All right. All right, we have all open lines, so 303-690-3000. And we got a couple minutes before we go to our breaks. I do want to let you know that we are studying the book of Revelation here at Calvary Greeley on Wednesday nights. Tomorrow night we're going to be in chapter 14, as we're going to see mentioned once again the 144,000 in chapter 7. They have a ministry of, of evangelizing because we see the result is uh, the tribulation saints uh, that come out of the tribulation. And we're going to see them once again. And wh- we read of them as they're standing with Jesus on Mount Zion. 
that there is benefits of purity, and it's going to be a really important message uh, that is needed in the church today, the benefits and the blessings of purity, because it isn't talked a whole lot in, in large parts of the church today. And we're going to see eight things that is a tremendous benefit, brings to us benefit and blessing as we live for the Lord, as we live in purity, and we are called to do that. And so it's a message that not only is going to be a blessing to you, but a message that you can pass along to your kids, that you can pass along to your grandkids to encourage them to live in purity. It's going to be a really good study. So come out and join us on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. we got a place for all the kids, nursery, children's ministry, youth groups that meet. And uh, and I'd love to meet you, and, and we'd love to serve you and your family Wednesday night. Come out and join us for that study in the book of Revelation. And uh, the book of Revelation is meant to be studied. It is meant to be read and heard. There's a special blessing that is attached to it as we do that. So 7 o'clock, check out our website, calvarychapelgreeley.com, and see directions to the church. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple minutes. We've got all open lines. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. You just heard those two numbers and we got an open line. So if you want to be on the air, 303-690-3000 and to ask your question, uh, maybe your Bible reading has brought up or maybe about Christian living, uh, and we're going to continue with the phone lines here in just a minute. And then also, as time permits, that text, dedicated text line, make sure you're safe as you text 720-336-0897 is that dedicated text line, and we'll go to there. But we're going to go to the phone lines in just a minute. We had a great first half, great questions. One of the things that really blesses me is when I I hear people in um, that are studying the Bible, studying the Word of God, and it brings up questions. So it's a privilege to be with you, to be able to go to the Word of God and to bring clarity and understanding as much as we can uh, with you and for you and to minister um, you know, God's Word to you. God's Word is truth. God's Word is so powerful. And listen, there is power in the Gospel. There is power in God's Word. And, and I'm so blessed to be able to be here to share that with you. We are blessed as Christians to be able to go to the Word of God, which is truth. It is profitable. It is is God-breathed, as Paul told Timothy, and it is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. So we get to do that here on Calvary Live. So we got an open line, 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs. Um, here in northern Colorado, in Greeley, Colorado, at Calvary Greeley, uh, and uh, I am with you today. So let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Aaron in Comrade City. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Pastor Jeff. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I've been a little better, but I'm okay. (laughs) How can we minister to you? Um, I just found out over the weekend that um, my mom has a brain tumor and uh, she's actually she's a believer and she's really calm about it and you know leaning on her face and stuff and 
I want to pray for comfort for her, and for me, I'm having a really hard time with this. Absolutely, because it's mom, right? Yeah. It's mom, and you know, it's interesting that you said that your mom has a peace, being a believer, and it's amazing how the Lord will give us peace during that time. So I want to give you a verse as we're going to pray, and and Paul writes about that be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And of course, when you initially hear the news that your mom has a brain tumor, that, you know, that, that is, it's not good news. And, and it can bring trouble to our hearts. And here Paul says, listen, Give your supplication with thanksgiving, and that's what we're going to do. And you can be thankful during this time because your mom's a believer, and she's in the Lord's hand. And you can cast your cares upon him. Peter writes that in his epistle, first epistle, because he cares for us. You know, Peter was a fisherman, and that word literally means like to cast a a net. when They would cast the nets when they were fishing up at the Sea of Galilee. And that's what we're going to do. But we're going to pray for God's touch on your mom, and you just keep praying. Let your requests and supplications, you know, be known to God and do it with thanksgiving because your mom has a peace and he desires to give you a peace that passes understanding. A lot of times we want understanding, don't we, Aaron? And the Lord says, I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you a peace that passes understanding. So, Father, I pray for Aaron's mom. She just found out that she's got a tumor in her brain. And, Lord, she belongs to you. She has a peace. But, Lord, um, in the journey ahead, uh, however treatments that are going to come forward, or, Lord, her mom, I just pray that you would continue to give her a peace in her heart to bring her comfort. And, Lord, right now I ask, because you said that we can cast our cares on you, that we can come with with supplications and requests with thanksgiving and we are thankful that she belongs to you and that we have a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ but lord i ask for healing and i pray that you would heal her her tumor lord that you would be with the doctors and uh, that are ministering to her uh, that she would have wisdom and, and strength through this time and lord i just pray for aaron as she's concerned for her mom as any daughter would be And, Lord, that as she comes to you, that she knows she doesn't have to be anxious, but her mom belongs to you in your loving hands. And, Lord, that when we face that time where we're overwhelmed in our hearts, that even as David in Psalm 61 said, that we can cry out to you from the ends of the earth and that you would keep Aaron um, and her mom under the shadow of your wings. And, Lord, that you would be their strong tower. You would be the one that shows yourself strong on both their behalves. Be with Aaron. Help her minister to her mom. And Lord, I do pray again for this healing touch upon her. As Aaron loves her mom so much, she calls in and, and we just lift her up to you, uh, this family to you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, Aaron, the Lord loves you guys. Okay? Thank you very much. God bless you. Uh-huh. 303-690-3000. 
We have an open line, and so we're going to continue with the phone lines. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs, And let's go to Grant in Brighton. Grant? Yes, sir. You're on Calvary Live. How you doing, sir? Good. How are you? I'm okay. I've been better. <laughs> um, I've been having uh, some stomach ailments for the last couple of weeks. Um, I just would like some prayer for healing, and I'm going to go to the doctor tomorrow and see, you know, possibly give them wisdom. God would reveal what's going on. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, I pray for Grant. He He's had stomach problems, and, and that's not, um, that's, it's, it's hard. And Lord, as he goes to the doctor, I pray that um, he would get some answers. Uh, in the meantime, we just pray for your healing touch. We pray that you would restore um, his body, his stomach, whatever is happening. And Lord, if you choose to use the doctors to bring healing, that they would have answers, that uh, this um, would be diagnosed to where they can treat and, and that um, Grant would be able to, to, to be restored, his body, and uh, feel better and strong. So, Lord, we pray for your loving touch upon him and uh, that he would feel better and that um, you just be with the appointment tomorrow as he looks for answers. We know that you love Grant and that he's in your hands. So, Lord, we just pray that you would show yourself strong on his behalf and bring in healing to him and comfort, uh, bring wisdom to him, to the doctors. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Grant, be praying for you, man. Thank you, sir. You bet. God bless you. All right. God bless you, too. You know, he does care about every area of our lives, you know, whether we're sick or um, whether we got cancer or whether we got a cold or anything that goes on. He just loves us so much. And so if you need prayer, again, give us a call. We'd love to pray with you and love to minister to you in that way. And give me a call at 303-690-3000. And I I think we have a couple open lines or um, you can try that number. The text line again is 720-336-0897. But let's go to Julie in Fort Collins. Julie? I'm here. You're on Calvary Live. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, Not really sure how to articulate this, but I think you'll know what I mean. Um, My kids vary in age from 7 to 22, and we've never been hideaway kind of people. Um, We've got really good relationships with our kids, and so we're able to just, you know, talk with grace, et cetera. But I honestly am just utterly perplexed about how to help them understand our world um, with the homosexual and trans agenda. And I'll start by saying that I have some absolutely lovely, wonderful friends who are gay. Mm -hmm. They're probably the kindest, most generous, faithful people I know, Um, you know, that they will know us by our love, you know. Um, I'm not saying right. they're believers, but I'm saying they're um, they're not just whitewashed on the outside. They're truly genuine, lovely, wonderful people, and they've suffered a lot. Um, but, you know, I take my kids into a store, and we walk up to the deli, and there's someone there who's obviously, you know, um, 
maybe wearing makeup or, you know, a man who's wearing makeup and, you know, my daughter looks at me with questions in her face. And I, I just, I don't even know how to talk about it anymore. Right. Right. And I think it is important, Julie, and your kids, um, range from seven to 22, it's going to be a different conversation for them. And, you know, the thing is, the key is when we talk to our kids about anything is the Word of God, what God declares. And I think it's important for them to understand that, um, first of all, you know, when we have this whole transgender issue, you know, and different identities, and um, and then also um, homosexuality and uh, what the Bible says about biblical morality, those are things to, to teach to your kids to continue to minister to them about about how the Lord, His desire for us is to live in purity. He made you know them male and female. Those are verses clear back in the beginning. Um, and that our greatest identity is with Christ, Julie. And you know, listening to you, I think that the church, the message to anyone, homosexuality or any kind of sin, trans, you know, anybody who's um, living with their boyfriend, girlfriend, um, you know, those who are struggling with transgender, uh, things like that, that we give them the hope of the gospel and that we give them the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to do to be able to give them God's word and how God has made us. And we've been wonderfully made. So those verses and uh, how he's, you know, Isaiah was dealing with that. I'm going to try to find it here real quick. And, you know, he was dealing with that situation and how society was saying, you know, the potter to the potter um, that, you know, he hasn't made us this way. And in the Lord, how he's wonderfully made it. So I think just lessons of, of God who created us and, and how he loves us and he has a wonderful plan for us, his design for us to pursue holiness and to live for him. Because I think, you know, and, and it's such a broad question, Julie, that sometimes we can get so focused on what we don't believe that that we forget about to really press upon the things that we do believe as Christians. And so that were, we can... If, if you were to, to role play and let's say, you know, your 14-year-old son said, um, you know, Dad, um, you know, we're just encountering a lot of, I'll call it propaganda, but they wouldn't use that word, you know, right. in school where we're supposed to accept our friends um, who are, you know, pursuing this lifestyle, um, you know, how do, how am I supposed to think about it, Dad? How am I supposed to talk to my friends about it? How am I supposed to accept them without accepting the choices they've made? Like, that's kind of where I get the breakdown. Yeah. I think my kids understand that, you know, this is not God's plan for them. This is not their identity in Christ, but it's just living the day-to-day. I think, yeah, it's just living day-to-day. And, and showing that kindness and compassion, I think a person knows when somebody really cares for them. And, yeah. um, and you know, your kids aren't going to be barking at them. And because kids are going to school and they're all dealing with this. And yeah. here in Greeley, I have two kids that go to UNC and the college students, they know, they deal with that continually. They have friend, you know, friends, they had know those that they go to school with. So this is a continual thing. 
But here's what we do. We continue to give them truth, and we continue to give them Jesus. And as the Lord leads and guides, and but I think the worst thing that we can do is to say to them, well, just live any way that you want, and mm-hmm. to not stand for what the Word of God has to say, but very lovingly, and we can do it in a very lovingly way, to to you know because we don't have to bark at them. We don't have to, you know, because you know sometimes there are some Christians that see those in sin, homosexuality or transgender, is ugly and repulsive and all of this. Listen, that they're in the world and and they need to hear the truth like anybody else needs to hear the truth. They need to hear the truth. Paul painstakingly, as he writes in Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God for salvation for all who believes. And then in chapter 1, he tells us why we need the gospel, and he talks about the immoral person, and he even talks about homosexuality, that they need the gospel. In chapter 2, he writes about the self-righteous person that needs the gospel. We all need the gospel. So the bottom line is to be able to have the opportunity to share with them this is what Christ has done for me, and he loves you, and he desires to, to save you. And and as the doors open up, but to, you know, I was listening to a testimony of a lady. Uh, actually, I mean, my wife was at, at a conference, at a pastor's wife conference. She came out of homosexuality, and and when she, you know, would first hear of Christians that were so hard and so, you know, judgmental and condemning, and she said something that kind of stuck with my wife. She said, "I, I, I you know, don't give me the law. Give me, give me the gospel." And um, we want to give the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we want to be able to share that truth as the Lord leads to your kids. And that takes real discernment and prayer and and discussion and guidance, um, because we all are facing that, Julie. All of us are, and we want to be able to stand for what's true. And to be able to, you know, be able to share the gospel to whoever needs it in whatever state that they're in. But what's happening is the church is saying, well, it's acceptable. And beginning to to say it's okay to live a lifestyle of sin, you know, whether it's, you know, living in immorality um, with, you know, heterosexual sin, homosexual sin, whatever the case may be. And we want to tell people that Jesus Christ came and what God's Word has to say. And to do it with compassion and to do it with sensitivity and to do it in a way that, you know, Jesus is full of grace and truth, right, Julie? Right. And so if it's all truth and there's no grace, then it can be kind of brutal sometimes. But if it's just grace and there's no truth, then it's flaky. He was the perfect balance between grace and truth and the common people heard him gladly. And and so he was able to do that. And I think that um, that what we are to do is we are to love them in the world. We are to have a heart for the lost, whoever they are. And when that shows, you know the saying, I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And And to be able to share that with others that are linked to us in our lives, because with your kids and with any of our kids, and I have adult kids as well, that's going to carry into the workplace and um, and when they get out in the world. Uh, and we live in a world that we see more and more of this. 
And the best thing that we can do is love them with the love of Jesus Christ, speak the truth in love, but speak the truth. And to, to be able to do that as God leads us. I think the cunning strategy of Satan and all of this is um, this whole concept of hate speech, because I know that I've experienced this personally, and um, my older children have as well, where they're in a position where they have to verbally say where they're at. They have to examine their bias or whatever. And if they are not communicating full acceptance, that's considered hate speech. And it's it's frightening. And yeah. I'm not a fearful person. Like, I've never, it's just never been my Achilles heel to be a fearful person. But I feel right. afraid. Right, right. And it is scary times. And, and um, you know, it may get more difficult for us as we do speak the truth. But, Julie, let me pray with you. I hope that, you know, it's it just takes some praying and discerning. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think you're on the right track. And, um, speaking the truth in love. So, Father, I pray for Julie, and I pray as she wants to be able to talk to her kids honestly about this. And um, we live in a world as Christians where we are to be a light, and we are to speak truth, and we are to stand on righteousness. And, Lord, help us to do that to the people that are linked to us in our lives. And we want to bring the gospel to a lost world and uh, to have a heart for the lost. So I pray you give Julie just wisdom and be with her kids and um, Lord, just guide them as, as and all our kids that are back in school now. And we just pray for your uh, working in their lives and the right words to speak, wisdom, to be full of grace and truth. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. Appreciate it. God bless you. All right, let's go to Debbie in Wellington. Yes, I'm here. Hi, Debbie. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah. I uh, had a question with your previous caller. You were discussing the end times, and I noticed mm-hmm. um, you didn't cover the gulf. When does that, uh, the scripture that says there's a chasm and a gulf, and, um, and actually the Lord's love probably would, and it acts like it, and it talks like it allows a both member of the family to cross over to preach for them and um, bring them to the Lord. And I was wondering when uh, that scripture happens. Well, we Jesus speaks about that. I believe you're talking about Luke chapter 16. And um, he talks about a story. Some have said maybe it's a parable, but many believe it's a story about Lazarus and the rich man. And they both died. They went to Hades, and one went to Abraham's bosom, the other one went to that place of the unrighteous, you know, uh, dead, where he was in torment. That was um, the rich man. And so he calls over to Lazarus and says, dip my finger in water and touch my tongue. And Abraham said, no, it's not going to happen. There's a big chasm between us. So that happened in the Old Testament because Jesus tells of that story. And uh, so that is when it took place. That is Hades in the middle of the earth where there was um, Abraham's bosom, paradise. Remember Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise. And then there was the, the side of the unrighteous dead. And so paradise, those uh, people have been taken out of there and are in heaven because Jesus died for their sins. And now, Christian, 
when they die, they go directly to heaven because Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Does that help, Debbie? Yes, that's a, a different thought process <laughs> I just, in what I've been yeah. listening to. Um, but my other yeah. uh, most important question is, I have a dear friend that uh, we were really close for three years, and um, she's a Christian, and she claims to be a seasoned Christian, and uh, yet she, she can't come to repentance uh, when it comes to gossiping and uh, taking private conversations to other people. And um, I know um, I'm praying for her, and it's hard because I, I think there even might be a, a demon. Um, but in any case, um, shouldn't a church see that over a period of time since, if, since it's a small church that she goes to? And what should they do? How should they handle that? When she can't well, get to the point of repentance because she just doesn't think she uh, is gossiping. Well, you said she's a Christian? Yes, she claims to be a very seasoned Christian. Okay. Yeah, if she's a Christian, and God knows the heart, then Christians can't be demon-possessed. She may be tempted by Satan. She, you know, he can oppress us. He he tempts us. He throws the fiery darts at us. But um, Christians can't be demon-possessed because we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So to well, pray that when we can when we recognize when we fall we we cast that out as and then call on the Holy Spirit to give us power to overcome. Yeah, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. The Holy Spirit in us. A container is either lit or it's dark, and so you know a body can't contain the Holy Spirit and Satan or a demon. So I don't believe that a Christian can be demon possessed. We can be oppressed. Um, we can fall to the traps of the enemy, but not possess. So I just want to bring that clarity. Um, I don't think in the scripture it tells us anywhere that a Christian can be demon possessed. But I think you're in a place of prayer and and to, you know talk to the leadership if you um, feel like that's necessary. But um, Debbie, let's go ahead and pray for your friend. I think that's what we need to do right now. So Father, I pray for Debbie's friend that, you know, is a Christian, but there's some things that, that uh, maybe have concerned. You know what the situation is. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just minister to her and, and, um, and Lord, just uh, bring those issues out to where she, uh, you know, knows that she needs to turn away from those things. Give the church, give Debbie wisdom in ministering to her. Just uh, take any blindness away, hardness of any heart away, anything that Satan is doing to blind her, whatever the case is, and Lord, to bring her into the light and to truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. You bet. Hey, we're going to go to Dwight before we end the show. Dwight? Hi. Hey, Dwight. Sorry, I I missed you, so I'm sorry about that. Thanks for holding. No problem. I just wanted to ask you, I was reading, uh, and it was about Saul, uh, the first uh, king of Israel, and it said that the evil spirit from God went and, I guess, tested him, or it did something. I just can't remember exactly the whole story, but what does it mean by the evil spirit from God? Yeah, Saul was, of course, the first king. He started out well, but Saul turned inwardly, and as we know that uh, Saul... Um, was um, he was 
uh, as a, a, an evil spirit came upon him, and I believe it was David. I'm trying to find a reference here. We only got a few minutes. Um, but uh, evil spirit was, you know, uh, troubling Saul, right? And David would play the music. And, and so Saul had opened up himself to the, the enemy Satan, to, to demonic forces because of his bitterness and because of his uh, hatred for David. Uh, he wasn't turning towards the Lord. There's all this debate that goes on. And, you know, having a few minutes left on the show, um, we don't have really time to examine it. But, you know, people say, you know, was Saul saved or not? And the debate goes on. Um, the debate is there. Um, but, you know, Saul opened himself up um, to, um, you know, demonic spirits. We know that uh, at the end of his life that he, he opened himself up to that again as he went to a medium. And uh, so um, there's some warnings that are there for that. And, uh, and he opened himself up because of his rebellion against God um, to that demonic spirit. And then, you know, the Lord would send that demonic spirit um, or allow that demonic spirit to come to him. So I'd have to look at it closer. I wish we had more time to examine it. But um, David would uh, minister to him and um, help him with that. And uh, so that's kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? What happened to Saul? Yeah, you're right. He opened it up by being disobedient. Right. You know, he, he, yeah, he had a he, he had a jealousy for for David that led to wanting to kill David, and so his heart was so bound up in hatred and anger and bitterness and jealousies is not good. So he opened himself up to that rather than giving himself to the Lord. So. Hey, sorry we couldn't explain it more, Dwight, but good question. Keep studying the scriptures. Hey, we've come to the end of the show today. Had a great show and so thankful again to be here with you. Um, Keep studying God's Word and looking forward to talking to you next time uh, here on Calvary Live. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.